a listener production. Okay, are you recording? Hey crew, welcome along to episode 126 of the Howie Games Part A featuring racer Scott McLaughlin. Scotty's the first guest to appear on the show for a second time, hence the new title, The Next Chapter. The next chapter will be a pretty ad hoc style of operation, the basic idea being to catch up with previous guests who have pushed into new areas since we last spoke. That is Scotty. If you haven't listened to Scotty's original chat back on episode 78, I reckon you should. Back then, Scotty was the reigning V8 supercar champion who was hoping one day to win Bathurst and dreaming of racing in the United States of America. Fast forward a year and a half, Scotty is now a three-time V8 supercar champion, a Bathurst winner, and is racing IndyCar in the States. Very heady stuff for Scott McLaughlin. Could the rookie produce an amazing upset to beat Dixon and win in his debut performance on an oval. As an aside, that voice in commentary you just heard is an Aussie called Lee Diffie, who has an incredible story of his own to tell. Diff started off being a school teacher in Queensland and is now a lead sports commentator for NBC in the US. Diff will feature on the show soon. He has got a cracking story. So you search and try to find But you don't know where to go So many thoughts flood through your mind you confuse and want to know Mystery, what is to be So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by Now, Scotty could have stayed in Australia, dominated the supercars and become a local legend if he wasn't already. But Scotty has had the guts to chase an even bigger dream and has been prepared once again to become a very, very small fish in a very, very big pond. What an absolute legend. The Howie Games salutes Scotty McLaughlin. Enjoy the next chapter in the story of Scotty McLaughlin, a man who never rests on his laurels, a man who dreams big. So when you search and then you find Know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Welcome to the Howie Games The next chapter, the first repeat guest on the history of the show so we've had to come up with a new name for it the next chapter former v8 supercar driver now indycar driver if you don't mind all the way from north carolina scotty mclaughlin scotty i couldn't be more pumped to see you how you going oh it's a privilege howie thanks for having me on here it's uh yeah i'm surprised i'm the first guest that's on repeated because you've had a lot of good guests, so I'll take that as a very big compliment. Mate, I am pumped to have a chat with you. Firstly, those that uh, listened to part of your player profile yesterday, where are you beaming in from? Where exactly are you living these days? Uh, I'm in Huntersville, North Carolina, um, so it's about 20 minutes out of Charlotte, um, and I'm about 20 minutes from Penske Racing at HQ. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's right on the East Coast. We're on East Coast time, so it's a great part of the world. Scotty, the whole reason I thought about doing this is because the next chapter, uh, you've progressed a long way since you're on the show and I actually have got the last minute and a half or so from the last time you were on the show. You'll probably enjoy this. I'm going to play it to you. You'll be able to hear it down the line there. It runs about two minutes. This is pretty much how we finished last time when you appeared on the Howie Games. You ready to go? Yep. 
two different paths. Jamie Winkup, was he won seven championships? Um, and fantastic bloke, fantastic driver, mm. big, big fish in a world sense in a small pond. Yeah. Marcus Ambrose won a couple of championships and thought, right, I want to go to America mm-hmm. and be whatever size fish in an enormous pond. Mm-hmm. Which of those are you? Oh, I'm probably more the Ambrose way. Um, I'm I'm a guy that I'd, once I've done something, I don't plan on, um, I don't think I need to stick around to do whatever. I am have a amount of respect for Jamie's unprecedented. He's unreal in what he's done. Um, but I, I he's ticked all the boxes for me. I, I would have gone, you know, five years ago, try, try and just try and break into something else. Um, but at the end of the day, this is the most kept competitive category in the world. I can see why he stuck around. But I would love to, NASCAR's always been a dream of mine. Um, I'd love to have a crack at it. I'm in a great team that potentially could open the door. But because Penske's uh, obviously in, involved yeah, in NASCAR. They, in NASCAR. They won NASCAR, didn't they, with yep. old mate Joey last year. Logano. Joey Logano. Last yep. year they were champions. Gee, you've tested my motorsport knowledge. So, yeah. It's got it, Crikey. That's really on edge for me. <laughs> hey, it's good, it's good. So there's a pathway there? Yeah, I mean, I'm employed here to be a supercar driver. I'm, I know that fully and I've spoken to these guys, but I have told them that I'd love to, I would love to have a, a crack one day and um, whether that's a one-off race, whether that's going over there full-time. Um, I have American missus now, so I can see myself living in America one day. Um, but it's, you know, I, I understand that I've got to wait for my opportunity. I'm young, I'm lucky, I'm 25, 26 this year. Um, but I want to tick off Bathurst. Bathurst is, for me, you know, I always put it above the championship, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I would would love to tick that off before... Um, I go anywhere. So, what if you won Bathurst in 2019? You're yes. a series champion. You're a Bathurst yeah. champion. Well, I'm good. I'm, I'm content. Right, you're I just got to wait for the call. Right. Mm. Yeah. Of whether I get a call, whether I don't, I'm happy to do whatever I need to do. Um, you go I'm, if you got a call with potential. Uh, yeah. Do I you mean, reckon? I, I only if I've if, if I've done what I wanted to do. And I'm and my team over here is set up the way of life in America. I love American life. I love um, being able to travel America in an RV or, or at least you know go around to a lot of places and see bits and pieces of it would be very cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I just it just appeals to me a lot. And you know, I've, my fiance Carly, she's moved out to Australia for me, um, and she loves Australia. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, one day, you know, I'll probably return the favour. Who won Bathurst in 2019? <laughs> we did. I <Yes>. did. <laughs> what was that like? That's cool. That's cool. I, you know, I, I remember obviously listening back. I listened to the podcast just to see what I sound like, sound like see if I sounded like an idiot. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I was true to my word. <laughs> you were. He thinks about where he's going to break. What's he got left in store as he gets to the most critical corner of the country? Off the back of the fastest corner in the country. What a year for Team Penske. An Indy 500 win for Simon Paginot. An IndyCar championship for Newgarden. Roger Penske's here to add something very big. Another milestone. 26-year-old Kiwi. Changing moment for this young Kiwi. 
So we'll explore the hows and whys, but you're listening to that now. This sounds... Uh, I don't know. This doesn't sound like the right thing to say, but I want to say it anyway. I am so proud of what you've done because I remember post that. I said to you, mate, if you get that opportunity, what what an opportunity that is. And it's not like we hang out all the time or speak, but I, mm. I would consider us friends through work. Mm. I'm just so proud of what you have done. You you could have won another V8 supercar title. You could be pushing on to however many. You're sitting there in America as an IndyCar driver, mate. And this show is about living your dreams and inspiration and motivation, and that's why I wanted to get you on a second time. It's, it is fantastic, Scotty. Yeah, I appreciate that, Howie. And, yeah, we are friends, and I think it's a it's a nice thing. I've, you weren't the only person that I sort of said that to, um, but I've had some pretty serious conversations with many people where – you know, what I had in Australia was a great team, a great people around me that really built me up to who I am and got me the success that I did. Yeah, I had to drive the car, but at the same time, I had great people around me and and, and to build off them and, and to get better as a person. And, you know, it's, um, I could have, for sure, I could have stayed, like I said, being a big fish in a small pond or, you know, at least just been uh, uh, three time maybe to, to, to growing bigger and bigger and, you know, trying to, you know, and making good money over in Australia and, and enjoying the sport. I love the sport of supercars, but like I said in that podcast, I've always been someone that's like, you know, I've done this, like, let's go. Like, what's the next thing? I always sort of look forward to the next. I remember when I, you know, when I won Bathurst, it was sort of like straight away. I was like, all right, well, we've got to, I really want to win this championship by a country mile. You know, it was always like a goal, you know, and 2020 was like, oh, I want to do a hat trick. Not many people can do that. Or, you know, it's just... For me, it's a rotating thing of getting, you know, making myself better. And, and that's, like I said, it's off track and on track as well. We will explore how you got there. But uh, as a uh, frequent performer on the show, I'm going to call you now. <laughs> you are aware that uh, the kids ask questions. I can't remember what they asked last time, but I'm going to start with my daughter, uh, the pickle skyzy. Uh, how are they going? They're going well. They're, they they're must going be getting well. big. Yeah, they're good. They're 11 and 9 now, so they would have been, Far out. you know, 7 and 9 last time. So they're back at school today, Scotty. We've just come out yeah. of six days of homeschooling. So I love them to bits, but homeschooling, mate. <laughs> it's oh, enough. Oh, it's mate, enough. it's enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, right, so you get, uh, you, get the, uh, you get the pickle first, Scotty. Hi, Scotty. Pickle here. I've been lucky enough to go to America a couple of times. And the favourite things for me is probably the incredible roller coasters. I love going to theme parks. And Rodeo Drive with all the fancy <laughs> stores like Gucci, Chanel and Louis Vuitton. <laughs> what are your favourite things about America now that you live there? It's a great question, Pickle. Um, Rodeo Drive is, is a sight to see. If you ever go to America, uh, anyone listen to this, you have to go there and just check it out. Some money rolling on those streets. But uh, Be fair to say I hustled her and her mother along Rodeo Drive pretty quickly, Scotty. I'm not yeah, on any car wages, just quietly. <laughs> and you will in, in 10 years' time when you go back there and she really wants a bag, yeah, you, you've got right. to go. But, uh, no, I, I think what I really enjoy here is – the way America celebrates champions yeah. and like the culture around, you know, celebrations, Thanksgiving, like, you know, there's just, there's so much, um, just like everyone loves gatherings. Everyone loves, you know, the family time. I just really like the traditions, I guess you could say. Um, 
the first part I said, like celebrating champions, you know, Brady now is he's the GOAT, but the way that it's not like a tall poppy thing. It's a very, like everyone is like surrounding themselves with him and celebrating what he's achieved. Sure, there's been some stuff over the time, and the same with Jimmy Johnson and all that sort of stuff, but they really celebrate people that have done some extraordinary things personally. Um, but then the second part of that, I really enjoy the culture of the traditions that they have. Uh, not saying Australia and New Zealand don't have that, but mm. I just feel like there's just a bit more, um, you know, like a, I don't know how to explain, but it's they, they celebrate Christmas. They've got Christmas lights everywhere. There's like, you know, it's just, just a bit different, it's a little bit different. My favourite thing about America is there is no tall poppy and if you're good, they pump you up and if you're trying to be good, they pump you up and try and help you. That, that's my experience of American life. 100%. I love yeah. it. So tell me a little bit about uh, travelling around America. Uh, I'm loving Scotty Does America on uh, mm. on social media. Tell me about some of the places you've been, the places you've eaten, especially down in the south. You, you know, you're travelling mm. around. What, what are you travelling around in race to race? Are you living in an RV? No, I'm not, but I did for the Indy 500. I right. was uh, in an RV for the month. But I'm, I'm planning on uh, purchasing an, an RV for sure for next year so we will, like, live but have like a home away from home kind of thing. Yep. Um, it's co- quite cool how they have it all set up, but the RV would sort of go everywhere. But uh, look, have gone to many different places, Texas obviously, and then um, down south I've been to Florida, I've been to uh, where else have we been? Wisconsin, um, Atlanta, you know, uh, Alabama, all that sort of stuff. I think uh, really in- like there's just so many different uh, – uh, there's different like, there's different accents, there's different f- – like states are known for big – Big time food. There's, I just went to Wisconsin, yeah, and they, they they rave about their cheese curd. So I had a cheese curd. It was a weird little What's thing, a but cheese I, curd. It's like I don't know. It's some cheesy stick. I don't know what that. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just it's like four hundred thousand calories in one thing. So <laughs> it's just to, like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that people have told me to go see is uh, is a lot of food, but it's a lot of traditions as well. So yep. I've enjoyed it. What about Texas? Tell me about cruising through Texas. I've seen some stuff you put up on your social media. Just tell us your social media for those that, that want to follow. Yeah, so uh, at SMcLaughlin93 is my tag on Twitter and Instagram, all that sort of stuff. But uh, I've got a little hashtag, uh, hashtag Scott Learns America. Yes. So uh, now it's supported by Pennzoil and Chevy and oh. basically it's a TV segment now for NBC. So... Um, I'm going around sort of trying out all this new stuff. Hey guys, welcome back to Scott Learns America. We're obviously here at the Brickyard for the month of May and we're outside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. And uh, when we were in Texas, we went and uh, saw the Fort Worth Stockyards in Dallas, um, which was really cool. And uh, basically it's an old old town that's sort of, you know, where, you know, there was lots of cattle and, and where they did a lot of like meteries and all that sort of stuff. But now... Uh, it's, turned, it's the world's largest honky tonk. So it's like a big country concert hall. That's what they call it a honky tonk. It's like rodeos in there, the whole deal, <laughs> a bull riding. G'day, guys. The first leg of the Scotland's America road trip, and we're here at Billy Bob's, Texas. I'm told it's the world's largest honky tonk. So why don't we go check it out? Um, typical Texas, but people like um, a lot of the country stars have been there. I mean, Keith Urban's been there, you know, a lot of, you know, for people that know um, a lot of different people, but very interesting place. Scott, Marty Travis. Hey, buddy, nice to have you out you Welcome to the world's largest honky tonk. Appreciate you taking me through. I'd, I'd love to have a check out, and it's massive. I'm sure there's a lot behind the scenes as yeah, well. Yeah, it's uh, 127,000 square feet. Yeah. And we hold 6,000 people. But anyway, come on, I got a bunch of cool stuff to show you. Let's go. 
but like I said, the cultures are very different. Like that, you know, you wouldn't sort of see that sort of stuff in North Carolina, and then you know, you don't sort of see that in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's more farming, and you know, but but different farming, like you know, more uh, I guess vegetables and yep. cheese and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Did you sign your name on the wall? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was a heap of like people, so, uh, Luke Bryan, a lot of country music stars that had been there. And uh, yeah, they asked, there was like a little separate wall where like a lot of the NFL people were being and NASCAR drivers and all that sort of stuff. And uh, DK Metcalf had just been there just before I was there. Right. He's like, he plays for the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. So, he, um, uh, so I signed like literally just underneath him, which was cool. Are you spreading the word about New Zealand and what is your average cat in Texas or Wisconsin or Alabama know about New Zealand? <laughs> it's hard because everyone goes, oh, where are, you, are you from Australia or something like that? And because it's just my accent. Um, so I don't really go into, I'm just, oh, yeah, I'm from, I just say, oh, yeah, I'm from down under. But then if they go into like, where exactly are you from? Well, I sit, then I go into the spiel of, oh, well, I'm actually born in New Zealand, you know, lived a lot in Australia, but, you know, true Kiwi at heart. And then they start getting on with it. So it's just, I normally just say I'm from down under. That's that's all I sort of say, very, very crocodile Dundee spec, but they are very interested. I can literally say anything I want and sometimes <laughs> I don't understand a word I'm saying or they just... Fall in love with my accent, so it's quite funny. <laughs> now, it's important to me that you retain your roots, and I'm now going to understand whether you're retaining your roots or not. You famously, back in the day, loved to go and have a hit in the cricket nets. You love your cricket. I think you bought all the gear at one stage, didn't you, to go and have a hit in the yeah. nets? It's here. Good. It's actually here. Right. I don't know where I'm going to find cricket nets here, but yeah. Now, my question for you, as we're recording this, Day two has been completed at Lords between England and New Zealand. Do you have any idea of the score? I know how, but ah! I didn't. I knew that they were going well. I knew they were going well because I checked it like this morning. But apparently, they're smashing them or something. Aren't they? They're killing it. Well, I. Yeah. Oh, I thought you would know, Scotty, but now you're the big Indy car driver. You don't mate, have time. It's hard to follow. <laughs> mate, half of America doesn't know what cricket is. I don't know. I'm going to find a channel. You've got the internet there, Scott. Yeah, I know. I do have the interweb. Yeah, I don't know. I've got to look for it. All right. So, mate, you, you, you win Bathurst. We heard at the start of the show that you wanted to win Bathurst before you thought about going to America. At what stage after standing on the top of the podium at Mount Panorama, did you really think in your mind, right, what's the next step? What do I need to do? What a drive. Unbelievable. Well done, Alex. Well done, Scotty. This is the culmination of a lifetime's work for you. Your eighth attempt. You are the winner of the Super Chief Auto Bathurst 1000. Well done. I just uh, can't thank my team enough. Uh, they made me into the driver I am today. Everyone that came up through the ranks, my mum and dad, my sister, my fiance Carly's here as well, and all the fans, Shelby Power Red, there's plenty out there, and uh, so glad to do it for Ford, yeah! Well, we sort of had already started talking about yep. um, the next step beforehand because we had obviously a crazy good year. We were winning a lot of races, and, um, you know, Roger and Tim, Tim Sindrick, president of Penske Racing, and, and Roger Penske, obviously, they were very forward with, you know, what would you like to try an IndyCar? You know, we think the IndyCar route would probably be slightly better for you. Um, so it sort of went down that way and I was excited for that. But then yeah, when Bathurst happened, it was like Roger basically said to me, well, we've got to get you to, to America. And and whether it's – it was probably too late to do 2020, but, you know, 
the year after that for sure. Um, at least for dry, like a one-off race or, or something like that, just to see, put my toe in the water. And that was a plan in 2020, but obviously COVID. But it's, um, yeah, it's all sort of come around. But that certainly Bathurst accelerated, accelerated a lot of things, you know, tests and, you know, races and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was certainly the focus was probably a bit more put on America and getting me there. I want to explore the process with you, but you spoke passionately as 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 we played at the start about wanting to move on somewhere else. Did you have any doubts or concerns leaving the smaller pond where, like you said, mate, it's financial security, you're going to be set for life, you could have Mm. won X titles. You were giving up a lot. You're giving up a hell of a lot. And I know you can always come back to it and you still could do that, but you don't need to now. You're smashing it. But was there part of you that thought, gee whiz, I, gee, I'm going pretty well? Mm. It, it, there was, but I, I've, you can't have that. You know, I, I was quickly to sort of point out to myself, you know, I've got to have self-belief and belief in myself that everything's going to work out perfectly in my world. I've always... Now, that's something that me and Emma have always talked about, Emma Murray, my mind, you know, mind coach. You know, we always say to each other, everything works perfect in my world. You know, it works out perfectly. It may take a while to get there, but, you know, eventually the decisions you make will lead to it being perfect for you. And it doesn't matter if it's not perfect for anyone else or if people don't think that way. It's like, you know, it's going to work out. And so I come here with a lot of confidence and a lot of, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm so excited to try it. And I know it's going to take time, but I've got, I, I trust my ability. I trust my learning process. I trust, you know, everything that I, you know, have worked for and, and made myself into as a race car driver um, that eventually will work out. It may not happen straight away. I knew that. It's a tough championship. It's but basically the toughest in the world. And But I knew that over time I'd get there and I think I'm slowly starting to get it already. Well, we'll explore some of your results and it hasn't been a slow process at all, to be completely honest, mate. You've been pretty modest there. But when was the first time you got in an Indy car? Uh, it was January, January, uh, late January uh, 2020 um, at Sebring uh, Raceway, which is in Florida. Yep. Um, I got married in 2019 to Carly and we were there for the month. I put on a few kegs, <laughs> drinking beer and eating burgers. You wouldn't believe it before the biggest test of my life. Good but boy. I was just living the dream. And uh, then we went and tested in January and um, it went, went good. It, there wasn't really any other test scheduled post then. Um, and then eventually two weeks later there was a test at Circuit of the Americas in, in um, Texas. So I went home straight after that test day from Sebring. I come home, basically they said, no, we want you to come and test at Circuit of the Americas when the whole field was going to be there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, I'll, I'll do it. But but I, I sort of thought, hey, I don't I have to do a race to be a part of that? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you'll be doing a race. Just got to figure out which one. I'm like, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> so that's when it was like starting to get really real, for sure. Back to Scotty in a moment. Next up on the show, a bloke who has just won his 13th Grand Slam singles title with his third French Open quad wheelchair crown on the trot, Dylan Olcott. Born with a tumour wrapped around his spine, Dill has forged his own incredible path, but like most of us, couldn't have got anywhere without the love, support and devotion of his parents. 
So have you ever said to your mum and dad, what was their initial, how did they deal with? Great, great question, mate. You just go into overdrive. Um, So I wrote a, I wrote a book called Able and I didn't, I shy away from the gnarly stuff in my life because I just couldn't give a shit. I'm so, I lived the best life in the world, luckiest guy in the world. I don't get hung up on that. But I had to write this book. I wrote it myself. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do some research, right? And there's a photo in my case. So my dad and mum, for the first three and a half years of my life, they spent every night in hospital next to me. Mum would be there all day with my older brother, Zach. They would be there all day. He might go to kinder or school. Dad would finish work. He would come to hospital. They would swap parking tickets because you get charged by the hour. So <laughs> mum could leave for only $5. Dad would stay there all night, sleep. Mum would go home with Zach. She would come back the next day with a new suit. Dad and her would swap tickets again and they would do that every day. Crazy. Wow. My parents were, I'm 30 now with no kids. Mum was 30. My dad was 25. They had two kids, one of which was probably going to die. Right. Crazy. How do you do that? I couldn't even, uh, I couldn't, I can't even look after my, uh, my dog sauce. Yeah. You know, like how What's his name, sauce? Sauce. Uh, miniature dash hound. <laughs> He's tiny. Why's he got sauce? Because you can't have a sausage without sauce, brother. You know that? You like that? I do like that. Thank you. My family is obsessed with their sausage dogs. Yeah. My daughter wants a sausage dog, but anyway, go on. Anyway, um, there's a photo that I use in my corporate, I do a lot of corporate inspirational speaking keynotes, and it's a photo of me with a little teddy bear. And I used to say, um, my parents were by my side every night in hospital, or so they say. They're not in the effing photo, are they? Because right? they're not in the photo. <laughs> and my dad used to like just laugh. And then I interviewed him and he goes, I never told you this because you little joke you do. You interviewed him for the book? For the book. I never told you this for your little joke you do, but I'll tell you now. You know that photo that you put up? I go, yeah. He goes, you know, it's blurry. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, that was because you had a really bad reaction. One of my kidneys failed, had a reaction, and um, they got the doctor in and my face was like swelling and I looked sick and they said, we're going to have to give him a lethal dose of steroids. Um he's probably not going to be here in the morning. So take the last photo. And that's why the photo's blurry, because my dad took the photo in tears. And I was like, give me for six, mate. I get goosebumps thinking about now. Man. That's Dylan Olcott next up on the show. Let's get back to Scotty. For those that don't understand motorsport that well, you now get the question, and this will blow people's socks off. This is the only one the Penguin wanted to ask. I didn't have to give him any briefing. This is he's, he, We watched highlights of, of what yep. you've been doing. He knew what you had been doing in V8. He's across that. He wasn't across IndyCar. Um, it's a good question from the Penguin. <laughs> hey, Scotty. Big Penguin here. I think it's amazing how you followed your dreams to being from supercars. That's amazing. To <laughs> IndyCars. That's even better. But what I want to know is what was the fastest you went in your supercar and what was the fastest you went in your IndyCar? It's a great question. It is. Uh, and it will so, explain to people what you've been attempting to do. So yeah, so the fastest I've ever gone is 100, uh, sorry, 300 kilometres in, uh, in a supercar. Well, 299 basically, I think, at 298 kilometres an hour. And that you get that once a year basically and that's Bathurst. Yep. Uh, average is probably 280, 275 um, at most tracks. At In the IndyCar, if you're not heading 300 k's at every track, it's it, that's not normal. <laughs> wow. So it's uh, so we're probably most tracks I'm heading 305, 310. 
And the fastest I've ever been, and that was certainly what's just happened at the Indy 500, uh, qualifying, turning the boost up, I went uh, 240 mile an hour, which was about 300 and I think close to 380 clicks or something like that. So it's um, she's, she's flying for a little bit there. But majority of the race is 220, so it's like, uh, yeah, 220, 230, so it's, yeah, like 360, 350. A- most average. Of the race. It, 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 so yeah. I'll, get, I'll get back to the test, but what happens – at 380 kilometres an hour in a car that doesn't happen at 300 kilometres an hour in a car? Oh, it's plenty because in the Indy car, obviously, you've got no roof. You've got a screen now, but it's, um, it's for me, it's it's so it's a lot of things, you know, wind noise and and you, a lot of vibrations and stuff like that. Um, I When I talk to on the radio, you can all you can feel is your mouth moving. You can't hear yourself talking, you know, when you talk huh. and you sort of hear the echo and stuff. Like it's, you think you're not talking, but it's actually like, yeah, it's weird. Um, wow. The G-forces, you're pulling sort of four, five, six G at, at some oval tracks, uh, five, five Gs mostly at, at Indianapolis. The big, big stops are sort of two, three, four Gs um, on the road courses. So getting my neck strength and, you know, my, my shoulders all sort of built up for that has been a completely different regime for me. I've really had to build up my training. I've lost weight, but I've also put on a lot of muscle. So it's been a lot of hard work in the gym over the off season. Um, but uh, yes, certainly working it out. And so how fast did you go in that first test at Sebring? About 185 on hour. So yeah, three, 310, something like that. And how do you have to work up to getting to that speed? Like, the, you know, 380, you've never gone that fast before. Is it, mm. and I know you work a lot with Emma Murray, Emma Murray, how do you put your mind into gear to say, I haven't driven a car like this before, I have the ability to go faster, I need to go faster, I need to go faster? Because if you don't go faster, blokes on the pit wall are saying, you know what, Scotty, hmm. maybe you should just stick to your V8s, mate. Yeah, and there's a young young bloke or, or, or chick that's ready to go. You know, yep. it's, uh, it's pretty cutthroat over here, but certainly um, – it's just it's a belief, like I said, of what I can do and what I can feel for the with the car. You know, like I really trust my feeling and my instincts. It takes me a little bit. I, I'm always been that driver that sort of takes a little bit of time to get to speed um, rather than going out crazy and spinning and whatever. Sometimes drivers do that and still get up to a really fast speed and are good, but a bit temperamental. Where I've always sort of like gradually got my speed and got higher and higher. So I've just trust the process for me. Um, so the first little bit of that test I was sort of creeping up on things and obviously wasn't too impressed with my my pace myself but I knew that there was time in hand and then eventually when I needed to drop the hammer I did and and um you know it's just relative you know like you go out and you run sort of 220 at Indianapolis like it's it's fast initially and then it all once you get your senses right and everything sorted and your eyes sort of settle in and your body settles into the g-forces it's really it's no different to sort of turning you know 200 k's at, at Winton Raceway, you know, in Victoria. It's no different. It's just, it's just your instincts and your senses get used to everything pretty quick. I might get you to talk me through about driving it in here and what's required. We'll, we'll, we'll hold that for a minute. So your first race mm-hmm. uh, would have been 2020. Was it St Petersburg? Was your first yep. ever race? Yeah, October, the week after Bathurst. This is the event that was meant to start the series, but due to COVID-19, it was pushed back more than 200 days. But now we're finally here at St. Pete. Now we're ready to bring the action. Now we're ready to crown a champion. Okay, so 
you head over there, you're on the the grid. Everyone's looking at this new boy. Did you announce then that you had a deal? Yeah, so it was uh, the... I flew over on the um, the week before the uh, so the Monday after Bathurst. Yep. Um, and then basically two days after I got to America, they announced that I was going to do a full time sort of multi year deal with Penske. Um, and that's when they sort of said they were going to pull out of supercars and a few other things too. So it was sort of a big that um, you know it was a big announcement, obviously. Um, but yeah, it sort of was a big weight off my shoulders because I sort of didn't really know what their plans were. Like I, I sort of had a feeling that I wasn't coming home, but I was also at the same time sort of, you know, I sent a lot of stuff across to America because I thought I was going to be there for a long period of time, especially with COVID. Yeah. Um, so I, I, like there was, a, there was a time there where I didn't know if I was, I, I thought I was moving across for sure, but I didn't know. And I had a, actually had a return flight home that I eventually cancelled, obviously. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was a pretty whirlwind sort of time, absolutely. Take us into the the moment or the phone call or the meeting where, and you've mentioned Roger Penske a few times. People should Google him. This is this is the biggest name in American motorsport, really, a legend of the sport. Mm. Does he ring you? Does Tim Sindrick, who you mentioned, is it a meeting? <laughs> t- t- talk me through when your dream's coming true. Mate, it was so casual. You have no idea. Was I it? was walking back from the track after in St. Petersburg and they said, hey, tomorrow we're going to announce uh, that you're going to be full-time for us next season and <laughs> beyond, and we're going to be pulling out supercars. And that was what was a little bit surprising for me because yes. no one had really sort of spoke about that. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, are we going to speak to the Aussie guys? And and true to their word, absolutely, they they had a massive group call of all the DJ Team Penske at the time personnel, and I was on that call. Fabian was on that call. Uh, Roger, Tim... Um, all the Penske Corporation, uh, Australia and New Zealand. It was a, and, yeah, we, we sort of obviously was told before the media and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then the next day it was announced what was going on and that's when I sort of put a video up on social media because I couldn't really put it into words on a social post, you know, what this move meant for me and, and, and thanking all the people for the support back home um, because I knew it would piss off a few people because... They, they probably thought I wasn't up front with it the whole yep. time. But personally, it's like genuinely like I didn't really know what was the plan. It was as uh, it was as apprehensive for me as it was everyone else. You know, like we just really didn't know what was going to happen. Um, had a suspicion and, and, and a belief that it would be okay, especially with the drive at St. Pete and being told that, you know, I've got to return. When I had the return flight home, it made me a little bit, ah, uh, you know, what's going on? Am I going to be full time? But then when they announced it the, before I went out in St. Petersburg, so regardless of my results at St. Pete, which ended up to be absolute shit, <laughs> it was, you know, it was a, a good, um, it was a good little security, I guess, for me in some ways. And did you have, what was the moment when you had some time yourself or with Carly, your wife, or whatever it was that you realised, the bloke that was saying at the start of the podcast, yeah, I'd like to have a crack in America, that you were going to be provided with that opportunity. Did you get that moment to yourself? Yeah, it was It was straight away because we were walking home from the track together and uh, she sort of, she knows when I'm serious because I like stop in my tracks and I turn around and I walk the other way from where we were, well, go back to where we were coming from. <laughs> so I was like, you know, my mom was going and stuff and she's like, oh, what's going on? She actually thought, you know, it was the other way around that we were going to go back. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty um, like emotional sort of time. Um, 
especially not knowing that, you know, probably knowing that I was going to be in America and I don't know when I was going to see mum and dad again, you know, it wasn't like a proper goodbye. So it was like, well, this is it. Like this is, you know, we're staying here now. So we've got to like, we've got to get stuff sorted. We've got to find a rental. We've got to find a house. We've got to find, you know, electricity bills and get them sorted. I can't, I can't get it because, you know, I haven't got all my citizenship stuff sorted and all that. It's, it was a process, but thankfully got through it. So your first race, you described it as shit. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about your first race in a in an IndyCar. It was, oh, look, it was going really well, and I just made one mistake. But look, it, it was a bit of a whirlwind. I certainly think was knocked around a little bit with jet lag, um, and, and it was just a big week, you know, like with the announcement and, and Bathurst, you know, the week before, and jumping on a jet straight away. But uh, you know, practice went pretty strong and, and felt okay in qualifying. It wasn't my best qualifying, just getting used to everything, but I felt like I did a pretty solid job and started in, I think it was 21st and out of a 20 sort of six car field and made our way up. We were sort of like, <clears throat> you know, back edge of the, the I think we we're top 15 or, or 13th or 14th around there and had Marco Andretti go up the outside of me and, and uh, I didn't want to let him through. I was trying to do my best, but in Australia, for instance, in the supercars, under safety car, all you want to do is cool everything down. Everything gets so hot because of the guards over the tyres, the brakes are hot, the tyres are hot. You just want to cool everything down. In IndyCar, it's the opposite. In IndyCar, it's like you need to heat the brakes. You've got to keep tempering the tyres. There's a lot of marble pickups that you pick off the side of the track, you know, with different pieces of rubber. And so I, I really had to, like, um, I, I just got caught out by cold brakes, cold tyres, you know, all that sort of stuff. Locked the rear brakes, hit him, spun out, got collided by, collected by another car, and I was out for the race. There's contact oh. here. McLaughlin and Rena's VK. A lot of guys going for the same real estate here. Oh, it looks like McLaughlin got into the back of, of uh, Marco Andretti and spun right in front of VK. So really nothing VK could have done there. Looked like everybody kind of stacked up in front of McLaughlin. So I was pretty gutted. Um, and then I had six months basically to dwell on that moment until we went to round one in 2021, um, which was a tough thing. Define pretty gutted for me. You're the new man that's given up everything in Australia. You've signed this deal. You're trying to sort out a life. You've crashed in your first <laughs> race. You walk back into the garage. Mm. That's not easy. No, it was... Um, Oh, I was definitely a little bit embarrassed, I guess, because all I wanted, all we said at the start of the race was, you just got to finish this race. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be careful. And then, you know, I just got caught out by a little silly rookie mistake. And it was, it was frustrating, but, um, and, and like I said, a little bit embarrassing, but, you know, it was just a growing pain. And, and to be honest, everyone was fantastic with me in terms of the management and, and my, and my engineers and all that sort of stuff. But it was, um, certainly a point, when I went back to the hotel with Carly that night, I'm like, "Far out! This is this is gonna be hard." You know, like this is this is a, the toughest challenge of my life, regardless of what I've done in supercars, regardless of whatever I've done in anything. This is gonna be tough, and and absolutely, it's it, had, it has been and still is. Um, there's times where I've been testing and I just haven't been able to just crack that much pace. I've had the pace, but I'm always at two or three tenths off. That was in the early days. Now I'm, I'm okay, but I was like, far out. Like, mm. I, I don't, what am I doing? Like, like I'm seeing, you know, Van Gisbergen and everyone that I've been racing over the last few years, you know, winning and, and Cam Waters is up there. I know I'd be up there. And like I said, I'd be still 
going okay. I, I, for sure, I have no doubt about that. But there's a point where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what, what like, yeah, it's, it's quite, it does get quite daunting at times, that's for sure. So people that haven't listened to your first episode should go back and listen to it and you talked about the relationship you had with Emma Murray who's doing amazing mm. things with all sorts of athletes, whether it's you or Wilco Pakowski or Dusty Martin mm. or Richmond or all sorts of people. In fact, I saw on the news the other night implementing a program in schools, which was absolutely fantastic. Yep. What is M saying to you at those times when you have doubt? Because, again, you were, the, you were the alpha male, you are the dominant man, and now, as you say, you're sitting in a hotel room thinking, geez, this mm. is oh, I've bitten off a chunk here. Well, we call it the demon of expectation. Huh. So it's the it's the point of, you know, you put you think about say someone gets their first pole position, they start on the front row, the feeling that they have, they feel like this little, you know, guy getting chased by a bunch of, you know, lions, you know, like it's a little like deer getting chased. Like that's that expectation of everyone's watching me, I can see what's going on, all that sort of stuff. So I had a fair amount of, of that and I have done this year um, and I've managed to settle that down, but it, it, it's just natural. Like that's, we talk about it all the time. It's, it's, it's a good way that uh, it's been a good thing for me to sort of speak to Emma about is, you know, I, I put a lot of expectation on myself, but I also, the expectation comes from what people think of me as well. And I think a lot of people in the spotlight have that same issue that they don't really talk about it. They go, oh, no, it's not that much pressure. No, there's pressure, but you thinking you're thinking about what are people saying on Twitter about me? What are people saying in the media about yes. me? Like, there's so many things now that can really get in an athlete's mind, and it's called, it's demon of expectation. It's the biggest thing that can really bring down any athlete, and it's just a way of controlling it. And and if you can control that better than anyone, it's a, you definitely have a better advantage for sure. And how do you go about? mentally preparing to face your competitors. So, so you know, the, the king over there, Scott Dixon, another Kiwi who I'm sure yep. you grew up watching this mm-hmm. bloke. You've got Roman Grosjean who last year was racing in Formula One. You've got Jimmy Johnson, the biggest name in American motorsport. You've got Will Power, an Australian who's mm-hmm. done amazing things, won Indy. How do you then make the mental shift to say, I'm good enough to compete with these enormous names in world motorsport? Well, for me, it's the evidence. I always put evidence of myself and that's I'm employed by probably one of the biggest world motorsport organisations um, who have won 200, 200 uh, wins, uh, 500 wins, two, like something crazy poles, 200 poles. Um, you know, it's a, a world-renowned team and they trust me to drive one of their, you know, four indie cars that are worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. They trust me to do the job and eventually with, expectations of sponsors and multi-million dollar contracts for sponsors and, you know, KPIs from them and, and all that sort of stuff. So for me, it's it's trusting the process, trusting my ability and trusting what they believe they see in me. It may not be there right now and it will take time. It's getting better and better as we go. But I, I, I get a lot of confidence from the fact that, you know, I drive for Penske. And you can either look at that in terms of, you can even look at driving Penske as a burden, like, oh, my God, i got Roger watching me all the time. I've got all these big, you know, blue chip brands watching, uh, you know, sponsoring PPG, Pennzoil, you know, huge brands, world brands. But you can either take that one way or you take it the other way. And that and that's sort of I've, I've enjoyed the pressure or the 
uh, you know, knowing that people are putting a lot of expectation on me, but I, I, I enjoy it. I, I kind of trust that, you know, that they believe in me. That's the end of Scotty Mac, the next chapter, part A. So many laps still to come in part B. Listener.